0: The word of the Lord from Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose at same hour and returned to Jerusalem, And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear hearers in Christ, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. The men on the road in this gospel listen have had a roller coaster week. They've been to nearby Jerusalem for the Passover and it was like none other. Jesus rode in triumphantly eight days before to shouts of Hosanna and the city was his. Three days ago he was crucified at Golgotha. and today today there have been reports that he's alive again, but there are always rumors. And now they're headed home. Another man joins them on the way and asks them what they're talking about. Amazed that he would be unaware, Cleopas pours out the story of Jesus with plenty of sadness, recounts the events, and says, We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. He even passes on the rumor of the resurrection. And I'm guessing that they're expecting some sympathy or commiseration... Maybe a quick end to the conversation of this stranger sides with the Pharisees. But he does something else. He tells them they should know better. He says, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then he starts laying it out for them. He begins with Moses and all the prophets to show that this has been the plan from the beginning. What part of the past week hasn't been the plan that God clearly spelled out over centuries throughout the scriptures? For the joy of Palm Sunday, you've got, oh, Psalm 118 and Zechariah 9.9. For the suffering and death of Jesus, you've got Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53. Specifically regarding crucifixion, you've got Psalm 22 again and Deuteronomy 21, 23. And as to the resurrection, you've got Psalm 16 and Isaiah 26, 19 and Hosea 13, 14. Those come quickly to mind. And don't forget the words of the Messiah himself who repeatedly told his disciples, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. No doubt this is a sort of stuff that the stranger tells them as he begins with Moses and all the prophets interpreting in all the scriptures the things concerning, concerning himself. Because it's Jesus who is talking to them. Now, we don't hear about the men's reaction when Jesus calls them foolish, though I imagine that they're taken aback. They know what they saw. But then, as they hear this man quote prophecy after prophecy, perhaps they're starting to wonder. If you're going to bring the Bible into this, it kind of sounds that all of this is scriptural. If they keep on thinking, they might come to the conclusion that they're supposed to walk by faith, not by sight. As they walk, their hearts are burning within them. They arrive at their destination and they invite the stranger in. The day is almost over and it's the hospitable thing to do. They ready the meal and when they sit at the table, it's the guest who takes the bread and blesses it and breaks it and gives it to them. They suddenly see that it's Jesus with them, and then he vanishes. Doesn't mean he's gone, just means they can't see him anymore. And they say to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? In other words, we should have known better. It's all right there in the word of God. And so much for staying home that night, they return to Jerusalem right away. They find the eleven and others to tell them the news that Christ is risen. And what do they hear when they arrive? They hear, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they tell what happened on the road and how Jesus was known to them in the breaking of the bread. It's a beautiful story, and you encounter it more than you might think. The favorite old hymn, Abide With Me, begins with a reference to it, Abide With Me, Fast Falls the Even Tide. And right next to it in our hymnal, you'll find a newer, not so well-known hymn called Stay With Us, another beautiful keeper. And of course, if you're familiar with the liturgy of evening prayer, the second line has pastor and people praying, Stay with us, Lord, for it is evening and the day is almost over. It's a beautiful text because it sketches the picture of what the risen Jesus is up to. He finds believers saddened and doubting and beaten down by what they've seen. He softly reproves them for their lack of faith. He tends to them with his word, reminding them of God's plan, his promises, and the joy that he has brought them into story. And then there's this. He still makes himself known he's present with his people in the breaking of the bread. He is vanished. You cannot see him, but he is there giving his body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. By his word and supper, the risen Lord is just as present with you as he was with the two men from Emmaus. It's also a beautiful story because day and night take on additional meaning in scripture Day is life, and darkness is death. Birth is our sunrise, and dying is our sunset, and that night comes for us all unless the Lord returns. And along the way, you'll be weary. At times, all is well. At other times, everything that you see seems to add to worry and trouble. You're supposed to walk by faith, not by sight, you know, but it's a lot easier to walk by sight than by faith. In fact, it takes the ongoing miraculous work of the Holy Spirit for you to believe in the promises of God. Anyone can walk by sight. And sadly, when it comes to things unseen, because of that treacherous, sinful nature, you are far more ready to believe, even in all sorts of weird conspiracy theories about aliens among us, than you are to believe the Word of God. It's not easy to walk by faith. And any Christian who says he doesn't fight doubt is at the least untested, if not a liar. Along with the changes and chances of this life that bring anxiety and doubt, all of which assault your faith, there's always the worry that your faith has weakened so that you, while you still believe in Jesus, you don't believe in him enough to be his anymore. On behalf of the Lord, I tell you this, you really should know better. I say this not to beat you down, but to remind you of all the promises that the Lord has made to you. As Jesus took time to interpret the scriptures concerning himself, allow me a moment to interpret the scriptures concerning yourself. For starters, Galatians 3 verse 27, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ Jesus have put on Christ. Has not the Lord said to you, by water and the word, I baptize you in my name? Talk about abiding with you. You are clothed in Christ and his righteousness. You're joined to his death and resurrection. The Lord does not abandon you when you are afflicted by doubt, because he's promised, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. If you've been born and you've got a weak heartbeat, are you alive? Yes. Yes. Likewise, if you're born again and currently have a weak faith, you're still alive in Christ. He hasn't abandoned you. He abides with you. Or how about 1 John 1 verse 9? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our worries and doubts sins? Sure, along with most fears. Sometimes you start to think, as soon as I get rid of my doubts and worries, then Jesus will forgive me. But that's like saying, as soon as I get rid of my sins, Jesus will take my sins away. You really ought to know better. If you confess your doubts and worries, he is faithful and just to forgive you your doubts and worries and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. As long as you're plagued by these things... He abides with you by his grace. And, of course, he makes himself known to you in the breaking of the bread, his body, his blood given for you. Christ, the risen Christ who has conquered even death, has said to you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that is the joy of this gospel lesson. As the Lord accompanied those two men... So he accompanies you by his means of grace. Where you are foolish and slow of heart, he does not throw up his hands in disgust and turn away. Instead, he shows you the nail prints in his palms by his word, assures that he is yours and you are his. Nothing can separate you from him. He's even conquered death after all. The Lord is risen and abides with you. In the light, in the coming darkness, and then in the eternal day. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.